I like the ooh part, didn't you? I bet they put that in there for me, that ooh, ooh, ooh part. Take your Bible, if you would, please. John chapter number 17, please. We continue our series in the book of John entitled, Why Christianity is Special. Why Christianity is Special. I have no idea. Maybe it's taken us several months and it might take us several months more. But uh, I've enjoyed the study in the book of John. And I want you to take a little walk with me this morning, if you would, please. We're going to walk from the upper room for just a moment and find our way to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a very unusual and very unusual tour of the Holy Land. Uh, It's not given by an Arab who says that he used to be saved. The tour is guided by the Lord Jesus himself. And he's taken his disciples from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. Just a few hours, maybe six, eight hours Our Lord is going to be hung on a cruel cross, driving the nails in his hand. And God himself is going to turn his back on his dear son. He's going there for you and I. Those of us who have realized in their heart that there's nothing good within us. We're all sinners in need of a savior. Our problem is not sickness, it is sin. Our suffering is not caused because of sickness and sorrow, it's caused because of sin. And our Lord takes his disciples, notice in the last verse of the previous chapter, verse number 16, these things have I spoken unto you. In that verse, Jesus is speaking To them for God. You got that? Jesus has been speaking to his disciples for God. In verse 1 of chapter number 17, he's talking to God for them. Now get a hold of that. If you don't get a hold of anything else, Jesus came... To talk to us about God. In chapter 17, in verse 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. I don't know if you know it or not, but you see here, it's impossible to glorify one without glorifying the other, because in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here, God in flesh is glorifying God in spirit. Here, God in spirit is glorifying God in son. You say, I don't understand that. Shake hands with another one. 
as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now that'll probably shake some Armenians up, but that's all right. And that'll probably shake some of the sovereign up when he says, And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast given me to do. And now, O Father... Glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus never set aside his deity. Jesus set aside his glory when he became a human being to die for our sins. He has always been God. But he set aside his glory, the glory that would make Daniel fall as a dead man, the glory that would shine in the apostle Paul would be blinded, the glory that hid Peter and John's face at the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word. Thine they were. All men are gods by creation. But God gave these to Jesus through redemption. I am a child of God by creation. I am a child of God by recreation. I'm a child of God by his choice. I'm a child of God By my choice. I don't understand that. I just like to say praise God for it. Amen. 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 Now the Bible goes on. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them. And have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. You say, preacher, that looks awful hard. Well, now, let's get it in context. Jesus knew the difficulty, the persecution, the hardship that these disciples is going to face in just a little while. He promised them back in verse 33, in the world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, he said. But now he's praying specifically for these that belong to him. It does not mean that God does not love the world and does not mean to pray for the world. But specifically here, he is, he is positioning his prayers for those that's going to through dire persecution because of their witness for him. I pray for them. Right now, I'm not praying for the world, he said. I like that. But for them that thou hast given me, for they are thine. Verse 10. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine. And I am glorified 
in them. Our Father today, please help me just to get out of the way. May the Holy Spirit of God speak with tenderness, with care, with love to these today who are seated here who needs an encouraging word, needs a rebuke maybe even. But whatever it is, Lord, I pray that it comes straight from you and not from me. I just like to get out of the way today and you do what you need to do. In Christ's name I pray and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want you to look for just a minute if you would please. I'd just like for you to just think with me just a minute. Notice in verse number three, in verse number three, I'll get my text out of that. And this is life eternal. Look up here. This is life eternal. How in the world can you know God? God who is spirit Existing in another realm of existence. Don't understand that because you don't live in the spirit realm. God is spirit. They that worship him must worship him in what? Truth and in spirit. How do you and I get to know a spirit God? How can we who are matter... How can we who are substance, how can we who are natural, how can we who are created, how can we get to know, realize, identify with a God that is spirit? Everybody I know is afraid of ghosts. God is spirit. In the text that I've read, there is three undeniable, unquestionable, inerrant events that transpired so that you and I might walk through the open door into life eternal. This is Jesus praying for those that the Father has given him, for the redeemed, for those who have been saved. And Jesus in this prayer mentions the door that is open, ladies and gentlemen, so that everyone that in this place can come into, look at verse 3, into a personal Relationship with God. Eternal life is nothing more than an intimate relationship with God. Religion is a bunch of rules. A bunch of rules that we must keep to qualify to meet God. Christianity is not rules. It is a relationship between God and a fallen creature made possible through the incarnation, the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Man, that's better than snuff and not near as dusty. And the door has been opened, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, bless your heart, that uh, God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sins. For just a few moments, and I got just a few because the countdown is running. I'd like to give you three undeniable events that transpired that opened the door for everyone here today to come into a personal, vibrant, real living relationship with God Almighty. The first event, the reason I know the door is open is because of the prevailing place of Calvary. The prevailing place of Calvary. If you notice, if you would please, verse number four. And this is such, I want you to read it now. You know that Jesus has not died yet. He's very much alive. He's in the garden. Just a few hours, he's going to go to Pilate's Hall. Just in a few hours, he's going to make the long trip up the road to Calvary. In just a few hours, he's going to be nailed on the cross. But he's not there yet. But in his mind, in his vernacular, in him talking, he's already there. He is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He said in verse 1, the hour is come. The hour. The hour that was prepared in eternity past. The hour that was promised in the Garden of Eden when he said that the heel of the serpent would, uh, uh, would, um, he would bruise the heel of the serpent, but the ser- the, Jesus would bruise the head of the serpent. You also can see that the hour that he spoke of was personified in Bethlehem's manger. And Jesus laying there in the manger. He was just not anybody. He was the person of the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. He was parented by Joseph and Mary. Listen to me. The hour has come. He said the hour has come. What hour has come? The hour when the Lamb of God would lay his life on Calvary's cross and pay for the sins of the world. The hour has come. What a climax. What a grand finale. The rolling of the trumpets. The beating of the timbers. Oh, listen. Everybody in all the world, Jesus said, the Lamb of God is about to do what was taking place in eternity past. The prevailing. The prevailing place of Calvary. Purpose of Jesus coming to earth is found in verse number four. The Bible said, I have glorified thee on the earth. Get a hold of that now. Jesus said, I came for two reasons. Number one, I come to glorify the Father on the earth. He glorified him when he walked on the water. He glorified him when he raised the dead and healed the sick. 
He glorified him when he turned the water to wine. He glorified him and always give God the glory. He always did not take the glory for himself. He always pointed the glory to the Father. He glorified him when he died on Calvary's tree. He glorified him when he got up on the third day and arose from the dead. Thank God he glorified the Father. But he not only did that, he finished the work that he came to do on Calvary's cross. Do you remember the words he said? He lifted his eyes and he said, it is finished. Yes, it is finished. The songwriter puts it this way. There is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners that's plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Jesus is saying to his disciples, the hour has come. Emmanuel's veins, the fountain of Almighty God is going to be open and all that would like to be saved can be saved now. The hour has come. The prevailing of the cross, years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not that my Lord was crucified, knowing not that it was for me he died at Calvary. Thanks be unto God for the prevailing, the prevailing place called Calvary. I'm glad he came. The gap over hell has been bridged. The way sinners can know God now has been made manifest. And whosoever will may come through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, Colossians said in heaven, made peace through the blood of his own cross by him to reconcile all things unto him. I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, thanks be unto God for the prevailing place of Calvary. Paul said, I don't know anything among you save Christ and him crucified. Oh, me if I glory in anything save the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God the way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. There's no other way to the city, but the way of the cross leads home. The prevailing place. Notice Jesus said, I have finished the work. That's about eight hours before he finished it. I have. It's done. The devil couldn't sidetrack him. All hell couldn't stop him. He who has all power of all flesh. He said the Father gave him power over all flesh. Flesh of the birds. If he needs a supper, he can send the ravens twice a day with meat and bread. Thank God, Elijah wasn't vegetarian. Uh, He not only controls the school of fishes, but if Peter needs a a draught of fishes, our Lord can just say, jump in the net, and he has a draught that breaks the nets. And one fish cannot escape the power of Almighty God because Jesus said, if you need a little money for the tithe, 
or tax, just go down there and the first fish you catch will have a coin in his mouth. Oh, all power over all flesh. He rode into town on a donkey that had never been ridden before. When I went back to the Tilapi Indians, that would have been a side show to watch me ride that horse that's never been rode with a pack saddle. I needed the Lord to take control of that animal. And now God has given him power over all flesh, your flesh, my flesh. Nothing happens to you that God, that does not cross the desk of God for his approval. Nothing. The prevailing place of Calvary. Secondly, you say, how much time you got? The ball game don't start till three. <laughs> Brother Clinton, what time does the ball game start? What? <laughs> You're lying on the front row of this church, Clint. I'll guarantee you'll be the first one at the altar in a minute. If he ain't, God will strike him bald headed. <laughs> Is anybody here proud of Calvary? Is anybody here glad that our Lord went to Calvary for us? Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Thank be unto God for how much he loved us. Now notice, notice the way of life eternal. The door has been opened because of Christ's present position. You say, well, where did you get that? Out of a sermon outline book. Verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Before the world was. He said in just a few hours, I'm going to move out of this limitation of the human body. And I'm going to move back into the glory that was mine before I left heaven and came to the cross of Calvary. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, and I know you're familiar with this, but this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God the Father. And today in heaven, This Tennessee hillbilly has an advocate with the Father. I have an attorney that goes to the Father in my behalf every time the devil and his imps walk in and accuse me. Uh Uh-huh, look at him. He's already blew it. He's already fell flat of his face. And the Lord Jesus walks into the presence of God and says, He's under the blood. He's mine. 
And there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Eternal life. Eternal life is coming into a present personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ because of Calvary and because of Jesus Christ's present position. Man. A lot of Baptists always accusing me of this or that. But thank God that Jesus Christ Gave up his glory. Came to this earth in the form of a little bitty baby. Took upon himself the flesh of humanity and lived among us and was rejected and persecuted. Crucified, buried and rose again and seated at the right hand of God. Making intercession for we who have been saved. I do not need a priest walking around with his pajamas on and his collar on backwards. Amen. I don't need a fat cat sitting on a big rock by the name of Buddha. Thank God I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he, my high priest, is ever making intercession for me with the Father. And dear God, if you're as honored as I was, you'd need a good one to... To go and make intercession for you. You say, well, I don't like you now. You sure wouldn't like me 46 years ago. (laughs) Amen, buddy. You say, you get too excited and you preach. Just shut up and go watch a ball game. (laughs) (laughs) The prevailing of Calvary. Oh, it prevails to save a sinner like me. It prevails to keep me saved because I got an intercessor, an attorney going to God for me, making intercession for me. Now, let me give you this, and I'll close. Door's been open, and I know that. Number one, because of the prevailing place of Calvary. Oh, how many years I spent in vanity and pride. Running in all the hell holes and the beer joints and the dives and the rooster fighting pits of this world. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not that my Lord but crucify. Knowing not it was for me he died. At Calvary. Thank God the fountain was open. Filled with Emmanuel's blood. And this old hillbilly, steeped in sin, was saved when I was plunged beneath the blood of Calvary. I know this because of the penetrating power of the Word of God. Notice verse number 8. The Bible says, and I like this, because of the penetrating power of God's word. They'll get up after a while. They ordered pizza. And uh, they're paying for the pizza. It'll be up there in a minute. I know it will. Because it's the third point after the second point on the deal that I've got here. But they cannot. 
Yay, give him a hand, would you? Hey, hey, yay, good night. Save me a piece of that pizza, would you please? <laughs> the penetrating power of the word. <clears throat> Verse 8. It's 11.56. That almost sounds like a gun, don't it? For I have given them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. Isn't it strange? Did Pilate believe his words? Nay. Did Caiaphas, the high priest, receive his word? Did Gamaliel, the teacher of the great apostle Paul, receive his word? Did Caesar, the Sanhedrin, did they believe his word? Did the Pharisees walking around in their garden with a key swinging from their waist, indicating that they had the key to heaven, did they believe his word? No. But these guys did. Peter, James, and John, they believed his word because the word penetrated deep into their soul. Wow. The Bible said they believed, and then they what? Received. Notice, look at your verse. They believed and received. Notice verse 8. They believed and they received. Perhaps some of the Sanhedrin believed, but they didn't receive. Perhaps Felix, when he sat there and trembled as Paul reasoned with him about eternal life, reasoned, he probably believed, but he didn't receive. The devil believes, but he won't receive. You got that? To one couple I can preach and they can say, Preacher, that was a great sermon. Oh, heaven came down. The next couple say, You know how long you preached? And the other one said, Yeah, because I can show you right here. The penetrating power of the word. You can believe it, but it'll do you no good unless you receive it. Pilate almost Pilate's wife don't have anything to do with that guy. Caiaphas, cut his head off, kill him, crucify him. The Jews, crucify him. Peter and John fell at their master's feet and received the word. If you've got a minute, just a minute to look at Hebrews. Just a minute. I beg your time, please. Hebrews. Chapter 4, please. The door's open. If you're here today 
And the Word of God is penetrating your life. The Word of God is being the sword of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God is knocking on your heart's door. You ought to stand up and praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God that it's working on me. If you're so hard that all you're worried about is what time the game starts. You ought to hit the altar and ask God to tenderize your old heart again. That the gospel may do and accomplish that which he'd have. Notice the penetrating power of the word of God. Verse 12 now. For the word of God. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Of the joints and the marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You're not going to con the word of God. You're not going to con the God of the word. Next verse. The Bible said, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Let me tell you what you've got to do. You say, I'll tell you what I want to do. I don't care about what you, let me tell you what you've got to do. You've got to stand before the God of this book. And you may hide it from your wife. You may hide it from your husband. You may hide it from the preacher. But you'll not hide it from him whose eyes sees all. We're all naked before his eyes. And he said the word of God is quick. That means lively. That means very active. The word of God works, man. You can read Sears and Roebuck catalog and get mad at God. But you can read this and you'll either get wrong or get right. Because this book is quick. It's lively. It's active. It's working, bless your heart. Not only is it active and quick, it is powerful, bless your heart. This book right here will convince you who you really are. It will convert you to what you ought to be. And it will comfort you when you need somebody to comfort you. This book is alive. It's God's Word. Now, don't get out of bounds. Some of you might act like you're enjoying this. And some of these visitors might say, dear God, let's go back. They're enjoying it. The word of God is quick. It's penetrating. Yes, sir. 46 years ago in my living room, a hellbound sinner on his way to hell. So hard and so cold. Hated preachers, hated church, hated everything. But the word of God, sword of God, quickened and pierced my old hard heart. And performed surgery that night and gave me a brand new heart. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, preacher, he's just too hard. Nothing can touch him. Let me tell you something. There's nobody too hard that the sword of Almighty God that cuts both ways cannot cut asunder. Asunder means to break in pieces. Asunder means to take the pride away from your soul. Cutting asunder means this book 
really shows you who you are. It shows that you ain't no better than me. And you stand in need of a personal Savior, Jesus Christ. The Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper, penetrating than any two-edged sword. Dividing asunder the soul and the spirit. Oh, we're so proud, so foolish. We're Baptists and we got white walls above our ears and wear wingtip shoes. We're fundamental Baptists. You're a proud, arrogant nut. You need to let the word of God cut asunder and separate, cut asunder the soul and the spirit that is angry and the spirit that is hurt and the spirit that is holding grudges. This book right here will divide asunder, break all that in pieces and convert the soul. The piercing power of the word of God. I don't know about you. The Bible said, but these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he is the Son of God and believing you might have life through his name. Eternal life is not in a Baptist church and it's not in the denomination. Life eternal is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh the Father but by me. Doors open. See, how do you know that? Because of the prevailing place called Calvary. Because of the present position of our Savior, seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. Because of the penetrating power of the Word of God. That book makes us all naked before God. Hmm? That book will reveal who you really are. Not who you think you are. But that book reveals who I am. I am a sinner standing in need of a Savior. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Look at the last phrase in verse 10. This will blow your mind. Just a few hours, Peter's going to deny him three times. Just a few hours, those guys he's talking to all going to go fishing with Peter. I am glorified in them. If you want to glorify God in your life ever, you do it by coming to Christ. Do you know, regardless who you are today, you can bring glory to God. 
You can glorify Jesus Christ for what he's done for you at Calvary. By accepting his offer of life. At that eternal. Life. Eternal.